0: All right, everybody. Well, welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Fredland, and we've got a panel, as always. We've got Rob Washam, Steve Olson, Jim Reed, and Stacey Nelson with us today. And of course, our guest, as you've all been expecting and hoping for, is Maria Ho. Uh, we are sponsored by Running Aces Racetrack and Casino, Learn Pro Poker, and Website AMP. So without further ado, let's not waste any time. Let's get into this conversation. And uh, here we are with Maria Home. Maria, welcome to the Rec Poker podcast.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. And I know we had some problems finally. We're getting on and getting a chance to talk. So I'm super excited because there were some tech issues on both of our sides a couple times. So yeah.
0: Yeah, it was pretty crazy, right? We kind of kept going back and forth. Oh, I've got an issue. I've got an issue. And then you were gracious enough to at least send us a video so our, our people knew that at least you weren't trying to brush us off, right? <laughs> no, that was fantastic. So you and I, uh, we had, we had one interaction and I don't know if you remember this, but this is how you got to be on the show that we played together in the world series of poker. And, uh, you sat down at the table and you shoved like 15 big blinds uh, from middle position. I was in the big blind. And I, I asked you, I said, Hey, we're doing a series on women in poker. If I fold, will you come on the podcast? You said yes, which means I should have immediately snapped called. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I recall.
1: Yeah, that's, that's basically how it happened. I mean, I didn't know what you had. I had king-queen suited, so it didn't yeah. really matter to me. Like, it could have gone either way, but a little secret. Even if you didn't fold, I still would have come on. If you called me and busted oh, me, I still done it. But, um, yep. yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, my, my buddies were saying it would have been the best uh, best thing ever if I had, like do seven and I got uh, an interview landed out of do seven. But
1: yeah, I had, right. I had
0: ace ten.
2: So yeah, I, I folded ace 10. you folded ace ten.
0: Well, anyway, so so welcome here. Like, let's let's just start real quick with, you know, you're involved in so many different things. You know, we see you everywhere. You've got this great this great history of doing all kinds of things. You've had this great interview with Kara Scott, which I'd highly recommend people listen to. But you know, kind of, what's the one thing? that you want everybody in Rec Poker Nation to know about you? Like, what is that one thing you're like, here's what I'm proud of, here's what I'm working on, here's what y'all should know about me?
1: I mean, I think what I'm really proud of is honestly just having the opportunity to be at the place where I am in my career to represent poker in a really good light. I feel like for so long, there's been a little bit of a shadow cast on the game. You know, there's that stigma still sometimes. And I feel like, whatever it is that i'm doing whether it's you know coming on a podcast with you guys or you know trying to take poker a little bit more mainstream and doing some interview that introduces people to the game. I think the only thing that I care about is just being able to portray this really great game in our community in a really good light. And so I think that's a big driving force behind why I am so involved in everything, why I'm always trying to, you know, get my hands in this, that, and the other, because I feel like there's still a lot of of work that I think our community can do to spread the word of this game and I don't want to see it go away and I want to see it continue to grow in popularity. So yeah, I think that's what I would want people to know about me. Like, everything that I'm up to is important because I have that goal in mind, you know?
0: I love that. And, and kind of the, the one question I would have for you in that regard is, you know, I've seen you do a number of different things and you're clearly incredibly intelligent. You're incredibly articulate. You know, you're very comfortable in front of the camera, behind the camera, all this stuff. Like why, why poker? Like, I'm super curious, like, you know, all the things that you could be doing in this world, it's, you're doing poker commentary, poker playing and all those things. What is it about the game? Is it just opportunity? Is there something that draws you to it?
1: No, I mean, I was definitely just drawn to poker sheerly because I love the game and I love the strategy behind it. I never really knew that all of these other things would come from it. I definitely, first of all, thank you for saying that I'm good on camera and articulate because I definitely wasn't always that way. I <laughs> I feel like I used to be terrible in interviews. I was terrible my first broadcast. I feel like I really had to learn along the way. And those were things that I, you know, I was willing to take on that new challenge, but it was never something that that inspired me or motivated me to get into poker. Um, When I first started learning the game and playing, it was before Moneymaker won, actually. So at that time, poker definitely didn't have the popularity that it did now. And you couldn't have really foreseen these type of opportunities that came along, you know, after that. So I just was really, really intrigued by the game. I grew up playing bridge with my grandfather, so I always had that background for card games and strategy games. And then when I discovered poker in college, it was, you know, it was like bridge, but on steroids. It was like 10 times more challenging and exciting and interesting. And of course, you know, The money wasn't the driving factor, but obviously that's not money that you can make playing bridge or any of the other kind of like hobby type games that I was interested in before. So of course that was obviously appealing too. So it was really just purely because I love the game.
0: I love it, man. You're, so, you're just such a great ambassador for the game. So thank you for that. Uh, as folks that are kind of relatively new to the game, it's fun to have people like you that are paving the way with the <clears throat> platforms that you have. So I want to I open it up. We, have, we had a number of listeners submit questions, so we'd like to do a few of those. So I'm going to open it up to the panel uh, to ask a, a couple of the, uh, the listener questions. Uh, Stevo, do you want to take the first shot?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a question from Josh Schwartz at FPN Colorado. Uh, Josh writes, the casinos are making a big push for multiple, you know, rebuy slash reentry tournaments to dramatically increase revenues. In some instances, these rebuys go deep into the structure. It is quite the debate on whether it is good for poker as it definitely pushes out the recreational player. Do you see this trend impacting the decisions recreational players should be making, either in terms of tournaments we play? or within these long Revi structures.
1: Yeah, so I mean, that's a really good question. I feel like obviously there was a time in our industry where freeze outs were the main type of tournament format. And then, of course, there became this time where, you know, between casinos and tournament directors and, you know, tours, they realized, oh, wait, first of all, we can kind of attract maybe a certain type of player by having these rebuys. You know, namely, it obviously does benefit the pros. And then also we can additionally rake on these re entries. Et cetera etc cetera, and it just became all the rage because you know I do think there are some pros to that I, I think that the idea of showing up for you know a tournament and then you know if you traveled for it and you get eliminated and there's nothing else to play then that's the end of your trip but if you have the chance to re-enter then of course that kind of makes that trip more worth it especially if you are paying these expenses to fly out there etc cetera, etc. Cetera but now you know in the last maybe 6 months to a year there has been such a big pushback actually against these re-entry and these multiple rebuys, these, you know, especially where you can enter so late into the structure where where you're so much closer to being in the money, actually. Um, And I think that's actually really good for the game and especially good for the recreational players because, you know, it does impact whether or not you should be re-entering because a lot of this is about your skill level, your ROI, and your bankroll considerations. So as a recreational player, you know, you obviously don't have, you're not working with the kind of bankroll that maybe, you know, an elite pro is working with. So you can't, you know, endlessly rebuy. You can't afford to get in, especially when the structure doesn't really benefit you or your style of play. You know, if you're, you know, not necessarily good with a short stack and you're not, familiar with those situations, then buying in at the point of max late registration where it's, you know, 20 big blind stack that you're working with probably isn't going to benefit you. So I do feel like those are things that recreational players should take into account when they decide if they want to re-enter or maybe even play that tournament at all. But as I said, I do feel like, you know, some of the foremost tournament directors now, like Matt Savage, He is actually structuring um, a lot of these events and actually becoming a huge proponent of bring back just the simple freeze-out style or maybe a single re-entry or, you know, one re-entry per starting flight. So just ways to kind of reel back in just how out of control all of the endless re-entries and rebuys have gotten over the years.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we understand the motivation, why they would do it. I mean, that's the thing there's, there, it's a pretty, it's, it, there's a, there's a realistic tension there. I can mm-hmm. see both sides of it for sure. But from a recreational perspective, it is, it is difficult to, to watch pros kind of fire, 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 fire. You know, it's hard to keep up with that.
1: Yeah. But I would say for the recreational player, uh, I think that a perspective that they could take is also just remember that, you know, and this will be, opponent dependent but let's say you have a pro at your table that is willing to fire then it might behoove them to maybe play a little bit tighter and just capitalize on all of the looseness that is happening as a result of um some of these pros trying to accumulate a big stack by taking really marginal spots by gambling a bit on you know draw heavy type boards and so i think there are things that recreational players can do strategy wise to counteract it but of course you know um I think that now it's it's really important just to make sure that there's different types of tournaments for everyone, you know, different formats so that players of you know all bankrolls and players, you know recreational novices, amateurs, pros alike can all find a tournament that suits them.
0: Right, and that's what we've been talking about as far as the the opportunity, like you talked about if if they're playing you know too wild, too crazy, whatever, because that's what they're trying to do is build a stack, that's exploitable. and we have to be willing to exploit that which is part of why the recreational players can't be playing tournaments above their bankroll comfort because you need to be able to take those spots. You need to be able to take those pocket nines and get them in against yeah. a player like that. And if you're uncomfortable taking those spots, maybe you're playing at too high of a, of a buy-in.
1: Right. Exactly. Right.
0: Okay. So good stuff. Great question from Josh. Uh, he's one of our big supporters on Colorado. So thanks Josh for the question. Uh, another question from Flary, from Flurry chef uh, at Flurry chef. I don't know what that means uh, on Twitter. Uh, and we don't need to get into detail on this because I'm sure you've been asked it a million times. Um, this is the the set of tens fold. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and he gets into all the questions or whatever. But my question really is, i as I watched the video several times, and I'm just so intrigued by this. And for folks who don't know the hand, I will post it in the show notes. Because what I would love to know from you is kind of what was the what was the ultimate consideration? I mean, it feels like there's so many things to consider. But, like, as a recreational player looking at that, I think – you know, a lot of recreational players just say, oh, I've got a set. I'm not going to fold it under any situation. Right. Uh, and you're sitting there with all of this information. I'm just kind of curious, like, what was one or two of the kind of the key linchpin decision points?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, and as I had mentioned in other interviews that I did about this hand specifically, um, my main considerations were I knew what the right thing to do was, but I chose to deviate from what is considered – Uh, the game theory optimal decision in that point. So I feel like my thought process was, I know what I'm supposed to do. And I know that, yes, there is, you know, this percentage, the majority of the time, I'm going to be getting it in with the best hand, but I'll be up against hands with a quite a bit of equity against my hand. Um, so, So I knew that for sure. That was like the biggest part in my thought process after I had kind of, consider everybody's ranges in that hand because, you know, it's a four-way um yeah. bet pot, which doesn't really happen very often. It was fairly deep in a main event. So those scenarios don't really come, come up very often. So the first thing I wanted to do was obviously just figure out everybody's range, compare where my hand is in comparison to their ranges, and then go from there. So once I figured that out, I knew that I have to call, but I also knew that I'm also at the stage of a tournament where if I were to fold and not take this spot, I would have had, I guess, maybe something in the neighborhood of 50 big blinds in a very good structure. It was the WSOP Europe main event. And I also had a pretty tough table that day and the day was kind of coming to a close. I believe it was this hand happened maybe with like one level left in the day. Um, so I knew I would you know, be getting a redraw. So all of these things about could I find other spots throughout the course of what I believe was a very good structure tournament with softer spots um, and be able to win small pots instead of going in a spot that is higher variance than – I mean, I, I still was the favorite to win the hand as long as nobody like had flopped a flush or had um, a set of jacks. Right. You know? And so – So my consideration was as long as I'm not like up against those two types of hands right now, I I know that I'm still the favorite to win this hand, but it is still a high variance spot to take. And I just elected to go against what I knew was the game theory optimal thing to do and take the line of playing, you know, in hands that I felt like I have bigger edges in instead of taking that spot. So, I mean, you know, I definitely know that it's, I'm sure that I'm not the only person in poker who's ever kind of yeah. thought they wanted to do something and did another thing or knew that they <laughs> should have done something. Like, you know, we've all had the moments oh, where, you yeah. know, we should like, and, and in fact, it's actually usually the other way around where we it know is. we should sold and we yep. call, right?
0: That's, that's Daniel's um, thing, right? I'm going to call your hand and then I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to exactly, call anyway,
1: right? Exactly. And, and to me, I think the hardest part was it actually really crossed my mind. Like I'm on stream, people are going to
3: see
1: me. fold. But, I'm actually proud. Like, I stand by the fact that I knew that and I still went with yeah. what I wanted to do. Because at the end of the day, I tell people this all the time, especially recreational players you know, it's your money and it's your time and it's how you want to play. Like I, that's why I hate when pros maybe give recreational players some flack over their decision-making because I always stand up for them to make their own decision because it's not poker. It shouldn't be about everybody playing the same way or playing quote unquote the right way. Sure. If you want to make money, you should be playing the right way 99% of the time, but we don't, but like at the end of the day, we, are allowed to make our own decisions in that hand. And I didn't want the outside factors of, oh, what are people going to think? Or yes, I know I should do X, but I actually feel in my gut that I want to do Y and I'm going to be happier with that decision in the long run. Um, And I just decided to do that. And so whether that decision is GTO or not, I'm just proud that I wasn't Allowing those other outside factors and voices to get into my own decision-making process because I think that's really important to trust yourself in poker and Otherwise, you'll just end up dwelling on it for the rest of that tournament, which also is pretty detrimental to your game So, you know, I would love to say that I had the I kind of did have the (laughs) last laugh though because I did make the final table Um, I went into that final table being the chip leader and I ended up finishing six, but I still feel like, and you know, it's not about being results oriented, obviously, but I just do remember after that slowly chipping up and, and it working out. Obviously I was lucky enough that it did work out, but I just remember chipping up in other spots that didn't require me to risk my tournament life and didn't require me to get it in, in a spot that I was somewhat unsure of because my opponent's ranges could be so wide in that spot, actually, that I just, um, that I just didn't feel comfortable, but there was, I had all these other situations that came up throughout the course of that tournament that was very comfortable for me. And so I just felt good about that, you know?
0: Yeah. I just, I love what you said. I would have said it like, hey, "Amen" like 10 times in the middle there, but I didn't want to interrupt the sound bite. It was just so good, but no, I, I love everything you said about recreational players and all of us making the decisions, playing the game that we want to play. And you know, pros be rating recreational players is just so bad for the game uh, in any way. But I, I love, and, and you know that you're on stream and I love, I love that you're willing to make that decision knowing full well that you'd probably take some heat for folding a set of tens or whatever, but I love that idea, too, saying, you know, at this stage in the tournament, I have a, you know, I think I have a skill edge, or I think I can chip up, or ICM considerations, or whatever, and yeah, you could even be, you know, you could be a favorite there, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to get it in. Like, I think that's, that's a consideration that recreational players have to take into account sometimes, is sometimes when you're the favorite, even, it's still okay to fold, you know, I don't know, I just like the the guts it took to, to make that lay down.
1: Thank you.
4: Yeah. yeah, a fearless fold. I think sometimes a fold, especially when you're when you're on TV or you know people are going to see, uh, it, you know, sometimes people make an, an image decision where, oh, well, I can't actually fold this, and I think it, it does take guts to do it. So kudos there.
1: Thank
0: you. Yeah, I love it. Well, let's let me open it up to the to the panel. Any other any questions about strategy or uh, or anything else that you guys want to ask Maria, Jim? Why don't you go ahead first, and then Rob.
4: Sure. Well, I've got a question uh, more about being fearless than about strategy, but uh, a bunch of us at the Rec Poker podcast, we listen to other podcasts and um, some of us had the pleasure of listening to uh, Kara Scott's The Heart of Poker. And so I learned something about you this week. I learned that you are a very good friend because you are friends with Kara in real life. Is that correct? Yes. And uh, so you went on the podcast and told a really fun story um, about your grandmother and how she comforts you. And I won't go I won't go into the details because you'll have to go check out the heart of uh, poker for that but but you must have known that you were telling a story that was going to be the sort of story that people would ask you about on all the other podcasts around uh-huh. so like that that must have been a, a, a fun moment in time did you know that you were gonna bring that up on the podcast when she booked you for it
1: No. And I didn't know what her questions were going to be. And I knew that she had modeled it very differently. You know, her type of questions from traditional poker podcasts that I've done. So I had no idea I was going to come out with that information. Um, but honestly I I love Kara so much and I love her willingness to try things that are outside of the box. And so I wanted to like give her something that I normally would have probably felt really shy and reserved to, to share. Um, you know, and and along the lines of kind of just talking about that, that hand that I made that fold, it's like, I think five years ago, that Maria probably would have been like, maybe I don't tell this story on the uh-huh. podcast, or maybe I don't make that fold with everybody watching. But I do think it just has a lot to do with just growing into who I am and just being like, you know what? I can throw out those nuggets and those tidbits every once in a while, and it's a little embarrassing. But like, I'm I'm really glad that I shared that with her, and you know, because we are friends, and it did feel like I was just talking to my friend. So,
4: well, it it, it came across that way. So another another fearless uh, Maria move there. Thanks,
3: <laughs> Rob. All right, I'm going back to the 2018 World Series of Poker main event. Day 1B, you're on the future table, and about two, three or four to your right is Michael Misraki. Yeah. And this guy is a, you know, you would call him a leg, but he was absolutely a maniac at that table. Yes. So I want to understand how you approached that whole dynamic of playing against him. And you were in a good position-wise on him. At least he wasn't directly to your left. So right, what right. was your what was your strategy changes to combat what Michael Miscrocky was doing?
1: Yeah, so you know Michael is just that type of player that you know he he will always put you to the test and you just have to be ready for it. So there is some like mental preparation when you see somebody like Michael at your table and you know that if you get involved in hands with him, you're going to have to be willing to make decisions purely based on the fact that, he's who he is and he plays a certain style and everything else can kind of go out the window, you know? Um, so especially in an event like main event, nobody really wants to play big pots if they don't have to, you know, especially on day one. So, um, I think my overall strategy as it is with players like Mike and because I've had quite a bit of experience playing with Mike, um, in main events as well is, you know, I just felt like, if I wanted to play hands out of position against him, I was just going to keep my range a little bit stronger Um, because I know even because there's this sense of, okay, if you know that Michael's going to be opening a really wide range, a ton of hands, then a lot of players will have this tendency to really open up their range as well because they're like, well, my wide range is still going to be better than Michael's wide range. But then you have to realize that if someone's playing very loose, but they're also very aggressive, then, you in order to get to showdown you're going to need to show up with you know some pretty decent hands by the river in order to withstand all the pressure he's going to put on you. So, you know, especially in a tournament like the main event where you have such a good structure, you don't really need to, you know, you don't, in order to beat him, you don't need to join him on that level. So out of position, I just kept my range pretty strong so that I know that I could show up to the river with strong hands and be in situations where I have top pair instead of second pair or third pair where whether or not to call Michael or not would just be sheerly based on his image and no longer would I be operating with any of, you know, my game and the game theory that I work with intact. You can't really adjust your game so much to somebody's style just because their style is so on one extreme end of the spectrum. Um, And then I also was, you know, going to flat a ton of my good hands in position against him because now in position, you know, especially with I wouldn't, I didn't open up my range a lot in position against him necessarily, but I would flat a lot of my hands against him instead of three bet because if he's opening such a wide range and it's very polar, then let's say he's opening the worst, the bottom part of his range and I three bet, He's probably just going to fold those. Um, So I actually didn't mind not three-betting some of my stronger hands in position against him because I want to keep all of his really weak opens in because I'm going to have all those dominated. And Michael, in addition to being a little bit loose and, uh, and very aggressive, he also doesn't like to fold himself. So I felt like I could extract max value from him more post flop than pre flop so those were just some of the things that I you know made adjustments for him um, being at my table and you know there's also this other dynamic of whenever you are on a TV table um, people are going to play a little bit differently and I knew that some people would play in a way where like they wouldn't want to be seen as somebody Mike could bluff. And so in multi-way situations, you also have to be aware of how other people are adjusting to playing against Michael on a TV table because then that would make certain situations like maybe me overcalling a little bit better. I would I could overcall in spots that normally I would fold after somebody calls, knowing that if Michael's betting you know and he has a high frequency to maybe bluff then this person's going to call him with a weaker hand and now my overcall doesn't have to be as with as strong of a hand anymore so you know those were all things that i had thought about for sure
3: very very good i know that as a rec player you get into those situations a lot because we tend to be a lot tighter than you know the the loose aggressive pro that's willing to like we talked about earlier throw yeah, in yeah. four or five bullets at a at a you know, in a tournament that we're in there with one bullet, so we're mm-hmm. playing a lot tighter. So we get ourselves into those situations. So that was some great advice. Very thankful.
1: Thank you.
0: Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, we got time for one more, Stacy. If you want to chime in there.
3: Yeah, that'd be great, Maria. It just it feels like um, a lot of the pros um, we listen to. Sometimes it feels like they kind of lose the lose sight of the rec player and when they're giving advice, they're talking way above our heads. It feels like you really have a thumb on the pulse uh, still of the rec player. With that in mind, um, are there some things, or like maybe one, two key things that you still see uh, are common rec player mistakes that you come across?
1: Yeah, I would say that for me, I think some rec players are still maybe limping a little bit too much. I do think that the limp belongs in the game in terms of where poker strategy is at right now and how to implement it. I think having a limping part of your range is is important for sure. But I do think that I've seen recreational players turn over hands at Showdown where, to me, it's a very clear raise or fold type hand and it doesn't really belong in those hands that they should limp with. So I think like maybe a good example is when someone is in late position and they... Decide to call with a hand like, I don't know, like nine, seven suited or something like that instead of raise when it was unopened before them. Because in their mind, they're used to maybe calling a raise with those type of hands. So if there's no raise before them, then their thought process shifts to, okay, then maybe I just limp with this hand. But if it's unopened and you're in late position, then there's actually so much more value in raising those type of hands than just calling. Um, So so that's kind of one of those spots where it's like I always think to myself, oh, I, I, you know, if they raised in that situation, I think that probably would have worked out better for them in the end. Or, you know, some clear folds like um, I think sometimes rec- rec- recreational players fall into this trap of, you know, let's say there's a raise and a lot of callers. Then all of a sudden certain hands that didn't really look that good to them might all of a sudden look really enticing just because there's like a lot of money in the pot already. and. You know, I don't, I don't, maybe like a bad ace or something like that, where, you know, if one person raised from early position, everybody folded, then it's like, okay, maybe I could just let this go. But then you're like, oh, well, you know, there's so much money in the pot. And you're not really just thinking anymore about what type of hand you have and how you would normally approach that hand. So I think, yeah, like, I think it's just working out those situations where it's a clear fold or a clear raise and kind of not straddling that limping part so much. Um, Because I think that becomes their default a lot. And then I think another thing is maybe just trying too hard to maybe like emulate or implement things that you watch nowadays on stream without really having the theoretical understanding to them. I always tell people, you know, don't do anything that's so out of your comfort zone and don't do something that you see. see work for, you know, a player that you really look up to, and then try to do that in your own game. Because all of a sudden, you know, that now you're just trying to mimic and imitate the game of another player. And then you're kind of throwing everything you learned out the window. And I think the most important thing at a poker table is to be comfortable with your decisions. And, I think when you're uncomfortable with your decision, like let's say you choose to be more aggressive with a hand and three bet something cause you saw some pro do it and you three bet pre now all of a sudden you don't really know how to continue post flop because you haven't really had a lot of experience, you know, okay, well now on the flop, turn the river, what am I supposed to do? And then all of a sudden you end up losing more chips that way. And it's never really that bad necessarily to, fold a hand that you don't have to three bet. So I just think that there's some mistakes that they make that are just like minor adjustments. Um, but I think nowadays, especially with how much poker content there is out there, I think people are just trying to absorb all this information without really knowing the why behind it. And I don't know if it's that important to just be like doing things that you see that work for other people and expecting the same type of results. But, um, but I also just wanted to make the point that, um, I, feel like it's such a shame that a lot of pros forget about, you know, the rec players and whether it's in the way that we speak about poker, whether it's in the way of, you know, um, making them feel um, included and sometimes ostracizing them because of bad plays they make or whatever. I mean, rec players are completely the lifeblood of this game. And without recreational players and without people playing in bar leagues and in like the grassroots type, places where poker started but also where poker keeps thriving right now we wouldn't even be able to have the type of community that we have so i feel like i've always wanted to like imagine this world where now you know there was this period of time where everybody's you know holding in such high regard these really young genius you know wizard players but i really think that we need to think more about how we could reach out and you know, appeal more to the rec players and to the amateurs and to people who are just getting started in this game because so much of the stuff out there is very much over their heads and we want them to enjoy the game, but they can only enjoy the game if they feel like they're, they have a way of getting better and understanding it, so... Yeah,
0: and, you know, and that's one of the things that we've been trying to do. You know, that's that's really our target. You know, we're, we talk to a lot of people that are playing home games, barley games, $30 tournaments. Obviously, you know, there's people that are beyond that as well. But that's where it's so great to have people like yourself and, and Daniel and Fedor and all these people that are willing to give us the time at Rec Poker to come on and talk in a way like you did to actually make the game feel accessible. Uh, even though we know you're operating at these high level sort of things, you know, you're, you're gracious enough to make it accessible and, and it inspires a lot of us said, like, "Well, maybe I can play that 150 tournament. Maybe I can play the 1100. Maybe I can go after the 8.1 million, you know, in the main event or whatever it is." And and I think that's that's a huge linchpin. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of recreational players that you know we meet a lot of them on a on a regular basis uh, who are aspiring to just be a little bit better. And and uh, when those dreams get shot down by you know a, a you know a very advanced rec- regular player or a pro. Ah, uh, that can really uh, have a hindering effect. So that's always our encouragement: is whether it's pros at your level or people playing the mid stakes or whatever it is, welcome us, <laughs> welcome us. If we're making big mistakes, then you should want us there. Like <laughs> it's it's not in your best interest to make us feel bad for playing these tournaments. So uh, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, it, it's just it's good for the game. It's good for uh, for growing the game and building prize pools as well.
1: Yeah, definitely
0: all right well let's let's wrap it up here uh obviously we could talk for hours uh with you uh and i i'm not buying for a second that you're ever uncomfortable in front of a camera and not (laughs) articulate like i'm just i'm gonna need to see some raw footage from back in the day oh there
1: is oh there is maybe that'll be on maybe that'll be like on my next like whatever revelation aside from the Kara story about my grandmother it'll be like the evolution of the next thing that i come out with is all of these videos where i'm stumbling over my words
0: we would love that that would be so much fun to, to have access to that and, and see that, but we 'll we'll, we'll let you go, but like what um, you know what 's the best way for people to connect with you? obviously google maria ho she 's everywhere, but you know if, if people say you know I just love how she thinks i 'd love to just kind of connect with her and be closer to her journey and what she 's doing in the world of poker what 's the best way for people to do that?
1: Well, I post really regularly on my social media like on instagram Maria underscore ho. On Twitter, Maria Ho, I post, you know, some tournament updates and I post a lot of travel photos of, you know, stops that I go to and on MariaHo.com there's, you know, past video content, uh, you know, of hands that I played and, and clips from, you know, a lot of the Poker Go streams that I'm a part of, whether from the playing side or the broadcast side. So you guys can definitely check stuff out over there.
0: All right. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll let you go there. We're going to continue on the conversation. We have announcements and stuff we do at the end and obviously you're welcome to stay, but there's really no need for you to stay. Uh, so we'll sign off there, but just seriously, uh, you know, a lot of gratitude from the rec poker, uh, nation here, uh, that you're willing to take the time and hang out with us for a little while.
1: Well, Thank you guys for having me on. And I'd love to come back sometime. So. I'm Sounds sure we'll good. Make that happen. All right.
0: Careful what you wish for. <laughs> All <laughs> thank right. You take care, Maria. All right, everybody. Well, there she goes, Maria Ho. That was absolutely fantastic uh, from my perspective. What's, what's your guys' thoughts?
3: Very articulate, very smart, very understanding of where the, the poker community is and, and what is important to the poker community. I think she's a great ambassador for poker. I mean, everything she says, everything she does, she's so genuine and real. Everybody can really get behind her. So I think it was yeah, great talking to
2: her. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Really gracious. Just yeah, just a wonderful guest.
0: Yeah. And that, you know, that was sort of my perspective when I I played with her at the table for maybe an hour or something. I don't know. Part of it is I didn't want I don't want to get all in with her because I didn't want either one of us to bust. It was just too too much fun to be playing at the same table. Right. But but you know, honestly, that was my perspective from just the one hour even. And you never know, is this people shtick or whatever? But uh my experience, her experience here by all accounts from people that I've talked to, she's the real deal and she's authentic. And, and, uh, I think, I think she was just delightful. I think it was wonderful to have her on here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Steve, I have a question for you. When you folded VAS 10 how many bigs did you have? I had like 20. It was like three quarters of so my stack. It was a pretty much, you were pretty much, she had you covered, but not by much. Well,
0: I, I had her covered. She had like 15 bigs. I had like 20 oh. bigs. It was, oh, it was okay. a pretty loose fold. But you know, it was it was middle position. It wasn't like super late. She was like in the five seat. I was in the nine seat. Oh, sure, so yeah, I understand. Yeah, it's one of those. Yeah. it was a thousand dollar buy-in. I mean, I'm like a thousand dollar buy-in. Small
2: blind, on you.
0: You. No, no, small blind. I think I just snap called.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> 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 she did. She did DM
0: me later. It's like I right, king queen. Like ah. <laughs> <laughs> but but you well, any know what, other
2: but, thoughts on the interview, guys? Or should we move on to the cards next? card's got to come.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, let's let's move forward because we, we've got some uh, f- a fair amount of announcements here today, uh, and we've moved them to the back end because we like to take our time with them uh, rather than rushing through them. Because people said, sure. "Steve, you always rush through them." So uh, I'm not going to rush through them. But we actually have a pretty big announcement uh, today. Uh, I'm actually excited to uh, make this official. You've maybe seen it on Twitter already, uh, but we've been uh, at Rec Poker. We've been invited to be part of this newly formed. A card player lifestyle family of podcasts. So the Poker News had a network of podcasts that has since disbanded, and as the the torch has been picked up by Robbie Straczynski uh, with Card Player Lifestyle, and uh, he has connected with the Bernard Lee Poker Show, and then he also extended an invitation to Rec Poker uh, to be part of this group of independent poker podcasts that uh, that basically have a, the same mission in mind which is to grow and and learn the game together in community. And so uh, we're really excited about it. It really is quite an honor that they reached out. Uh, And so we are joining the Top Pair Home Game Poker Podcast, which is uh, hosted by Robbie Straczynski and Bruce Briggs, and the Bernard Lee Poker Show, hosted by longtime poker uh, known personality Bernard Lee. So really excited about that. Uh, I actually had the opportunity to... uh, have a quick interview with each of them today as part of the promotional piece and helping their listeners understand who Rec Poker is and what we're all about. And uh, feel really excited about the relationship with those guys. I've had long conversations uh, with both of them about what this is, what it is not, uh, and we're not going to lose any of our independence. We keep doing what we're doing, uh, serving Rec Poker Nation the best way we know how. Uh, but hopefully, this will help us grow our audience as well and introduce you to more content as they have cool things that, that come up on their podcast. We have a chance to share with you guys uh, what those things are, because at the end of the day, we want you to be doing whatever is best for you and your game. And so I think introducing you to some of the things that they're doing is is actually a pretty cool thing. So excited about that, guys.
2: I think it's a pretty, <laughs> yeah, cool, that's it's a pretty cool day. That's a cool day. Yeah, that's, for sure. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, it was really fun to talk to those guys. And like, uh, you know, I haven't been around the poker world forever, but, you know, the name Bernard Lee is, is a very well-known name, Robbie in the card player lifestyle, and just have a chance to kind of um, uh, swap ideas with those guys is, is a pretty cool deal. So, that's that's it for that deal. Uh, we've got our Running Aces Players of the Week and our Binks, as we like to say. So, Players of the Week at Running Aces this week, you know, this David Elke. Uh, Dave, he was on there a, last week. He's on, on there last week, too. He's
4: on fire.
0: He is on fire. So he he banked two tournaments in the same day, uh, which which wow. uh, is not a very common feat at Running Aces. Uh, he didn't put him on the Discord channel, so I couldn't actually yeah. announce them. But uh, he's on a tear. Uh, the big tournament at Running Aces. He uh, he also finished I know, like twelfth or thirteenth or something too. He ran deep. So Dave Elkey's on fire. I tell him it's just because when I'm not there, uh, <laughs> right? that's the way the mice will play. So Dave, I'm coming after you again. Next time I see you. But our own uh, Cheyenne Bhattacharya, Uh, you know the name Cheyenne. He's been the one leading our book study, uh, Play Optimal Poker by Andrew Brokus. He finished second in the Player of the Week. Ray Dickerson, James Suvanacek, and Amir Tavane. And now I I tweeted Amir on Twitter. I I sent him a tweet because I was very disappointed that he finished tied for fourth. Normally only four people you have to announce. But when they tie, then there's five winners. (laughs) Now I got to give AT props on the Rec Poker podcast. So AT, oh, no. congratulations, <laughs> well done, sir. But uh, a fun group of people there. I played with all of those yeah. folks. Uh, a very very good group of players there as well. And the one bink. So if you want your bink announced on the Rec Poker podcast, which means you won a tournament, what you have to do is you have to join Discord which is a free service, a free app that you can jump on. When you win a tournament, post the picture, post the information on our Bink channel, and we will tell the world about you. And the one that we had to report this week is, I'm pretty excited about this, uh, Nels Peterson. Uh, so Nels and I go back a ways. Actually, um, uh, when I started playing poker, I played at the Free Poker Network, and I was in a state tournament, which is kind of a cool thing that they do. They do state and nationals. And I sat by this guy, he had tattoos and a leather jacket, and we started chatting, and he was kind of one of those guys that got me thinking about the game in a different way. Like, there's actually a strategy to this? I thought you just – I got lucky because I had the best cards, you know. And uh, it was interesting. So him and I developed a relationship, talked a lot of strategy. He was in my home game for a while. Uh, just a fantastic dude, loves the game, passionate about the game. But anyway, he uh, he binked, he got, uh, chopped heads up up at uh, Grand Casino, Mille in Onamia, Minnesota. Oh, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, for $830, he's wearing the rec poker hat. So, way to go, Nels. And I got to give a shout-out, too, because I saw on Facebook or Twitter, his daughter, Emma, who I know a little bit, she just turned 18, and she qualified for the state tournament for FPN as well. So, congrats to them, a poker-playing family. They all play, all those Nels, all those Petersons play. So, congrats there. Uh, a couple of other announcements. Uh, Rob, do you want to fill us in on kind of what's coming up on
3: Saturday? Well, Saturday, as everybody knows, is an extra day in 2020 that you'd never have any other year. Well, once every four years.
0: Every four years you get this bonus <laughs> it's, day. It's St. Oswald's
3: Day. St. Oswald's I, Day. What is that? I saw you post that. What the heck <laughs> is that? fantastic. I mean, it's such a, a great time to celebrate. No, actually, <laughs> we... <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're spending the day at Running Aces. Yes, sir. We have the Rec Poker Day at Running Aces from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Come out, have breakfast. We're going to be giving away lammers. We'll play the $40 tournament. A very good way to introduce yourself to poker and playing in a casino is playing in that little $40 tournament they have. It doesn't cost you a lot of money. A lot of people there just having fun. It's not real serious. So you can come out you can get familiar with how it all works and and have a lot of fun at the same time. There might even be some bounties on some of the Rec Poker guys. Heck yeah. might be.
0: Heck yeah, bounty Uh, on me, baby. Let's go. (laughs)
3: There you go. We're going to have a play and learn a little later. Um, So you can sit down. Everybody will get dealt cards. We'll play a handout and then we'll keep our cards and we'll turn them over at the end and, and discuss what we did, why we did it. And what maybe we should have done and what we could have done different. And then opportunity to play in the big tournament that day is the optimum. Um, So fun day of poker, rec poker. And remember, it's St. Oswald's <laughs> Day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we have so many plans.
0: I know we're not going to be able to implement all of them, but Rob's been part of the planning process too. We're going to have the the recording stuff on site, so we'll be getting sound bites from people that want to come over and say hi. We'll have some merchandise, have some info on Rec Poker, but yeah, the bounties uh, we're gonna we're gonna surround Jerry Kniff with patches. Because yes. he's afraid of the patch people. So if you if you happen to be sitting, Jerry, and I think we're going to get Jerry to play the forty dollars tournament too. He normally plays the bigger stuff. Uh, I was talking to Jason Sell. I was trying to get him to play too. It's a no go. So yeah. he's got kids or something he's got to deal with. But we're going to try to surround. Soccer Jerry. practice,
4: I think. Yeah, Is that what
0: it was. <laughs> we're going to try to surround Jerry with the patch people just to just to annoy him. Even though it's just a shtick we have going. But yeah, but yeah thanks, Rob, for all your work on that. It's going to be a super fun day. I, I'm really really looking forward to it.
4: And I think someone's going to win a fifty dollars lammer at breakfast, right? And then the tournament's only forty dollars. So unless I'm missing something, there's a real good reason to show up and pay two, two bucks for breakfast, and you get to meet Papa Steve and have a good time uh, chatting about <laughs> poker before we get started.
0: Yeah, yeah, Papa Steve. Yeah, yeah. We're just gonna yeah we're gonna be hanging out from eight to ten. If you want to buy the breakfast, they got a two dollars breakfast before ten a.m. It's pretty good. Uh, and then yeah, somebody who's there enters the drawing. Somebody gets a fifty dollars lammer. Play the forty dollar tournament. Let's go. We'll give another Lambo away at the uh, play and learn, and then we we've got all these door prizes. We're like all these people say, I got this. I can donate. I got this. I can donate. So we're gonna have all kinds of door prizes. We'll have all kinds of stuff to give away. So it should be a should be a good time.
4: KnitCast approved. Tell Andrew and Nate they can show up. <laughs>
0: nice. <laughs> Everybody's invited. Hey, uh, well, with Chris, Chris is not here uh, today. Uh, Jim, do you want to go ahead and give us an update on kind of the. Where we're at with membership content, our seminars, that sort of thing.
4: Yeah, I'd love to. It's uh, the end of the first month in the theme seminar uh, program at Rec.Poker in 2020. And the theme this month has been stack size and position. So we had a, uh, a two-part seminar earlier in the month uh, going over the importance of those and some fun examples of how to employ that information at the table. Uh, and then we had a hand history and little study session um, earlier in the month. And all those videos are available in the membership uh, uh, section of Poker. And all the members can come and have a little chat and a little Q&A this Wednesday, the 26th at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, the link will be in the membership uh, section there as well. And we're going to be talking a lot about ranges. Uh, stack sizes, hand ranging, and I'm hoping uh, some of the members will come and bring some of their own ranges and we can talk about good hands to include or to exclude and things like that. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And I know um, we're coming up on the first Wednesday of the month, which will be the uh, uh, No Limit Hold'em home game on Poker Stars, which is going to be a lot of fun. I, I have a chance at continuing the Canadian streak in that oh. one because I've actually played No Limit Hold'em before. Uh, <laughs> we'll get into that in a second, Steve. But the, uh, the next week, of course, will be the second Wednesday of the month, which is our mixed game. And uh, this month is going to be five-card draw. Uh, so I'm hoping Mike, in quotation marks, Matt, Mike Patrick, Patrick. Um, we can make it up for that one and keep the streak alive. Because we got to get singing Steve on a strip in <laughs> Vegas come June. I know I'm not the only person excited about this.
0: Oh my gosh, I, I feel like I might have overstepped. I might have overpromised there. I, I don't Uh-oh. think it's going to happen. But oh, yeah, yeah, you
4: hear that? You hear that talk? I don't, Canadians. I don't. He doesn't I'm, think it's going to happen.
0: All right, so you guys put the big call out on Twitter for all the Canadians to come running. There was a couple, but not I. I don't think Canada. You can't. You just can't hear them because of the
4: snowshoes. It's quiet. <laughs> it's we're coming. Dangerous. We're coming with like uh, cross-country skis. It's silent but deadly. We're coming yeah, for yeah. So
0: if if a Canadian oh. wins one or the other of the home games in every month up through May, I mean they've done it already. January and February. So I'm getting a little let the record different. show. Right. Uh, you still got to do March, April, May. Then I'm going to be singing "Oh Canada" on the strip in Vegas. As loud as I can, so I'm not real worried about it. But I do know the song. Uh, people question me. I, I know the song, so I'm ready to go if, if need be. But I That's don't think awesome. I don't think Canada's up to the task. I, come on, Americans or Mexicans oh, or Australians, oh. anybody. It can be anybody. I don't care.
4: I I'm hope you're hungry. You're going to gonna be, you're going to be eating those words, Steve. <laughs> I, I like that Chris is already doing a little recon on like locations. He's doing some location scouting is. down there. That-
0: <laughs> He's got figure it figured out where I know <laughs> that's crazy, but yeah, we'll you see. guys the, the mix game is super fun too. I'm like, uh, and, and just so you guys know, if you're members, you know this already, but if several of us record ourselves playing these games and then put them out in the membership area, and I think, you know, when they are games that we know, I think there's a lot of good information there, especially for newer players on how we're thinking about the game. Uh, for those games that we don't know, like Deuce to Seven, Single Draw, whatever that was, it's entertaining, I think. So uh, we'll be doing that with Five Card Draw. And John Somsky, who's organizing all of it, has actually put together a little tutorial videos for each one of these. And so we do have out on YouTube now a little, I think it's like 10 minutes or less, um, a tutorial on Five Card Draw in case that's a new game for you. But yeah, it should be super fun. Uh, It's a lot lot of fun. Uh, Other stuff coming up, uh, just to make sure you guys are aware of, you know, if you're getting the newsletter, a lot of this stuff is in there, Uh, but we just like to make sure everybody knows what's going on. So Learn Pro Poker uh, is Ryan LaPlante's uh, training site. We have a great relationship with Ryan. Had a chance to actually talk with him in person for about an hour, a couple of weeks ago out in Vegas. Uh, Fantastic dude. Love what he's doing with the site. Uh, We are an affiliate. So if you want to become a member, use our link. But he also just introduced this new program where for absolutely free, no credit card needed. You can get like 10 videos of his just for free just to try out his site. Uh, And we've been putting our link, our affiliate link to that free uh, piece everywhere as well. So check that out. There's nothing to lose there. Um, And it's just really, really good stuff. Uh, also, uh, we're we're continuing to look at other things that we can offer based on the feedback that people are giving us what they'd like to see, and so we are actually connected now with a few poker coaches. And so, if you are in the market right now for uh, somebody who can give you personal coaching, one on one, meet with you either over video or in person, and just kind of work on your game one on one, if you have the financial wherewithal to support that, uh, we're we're developing a stable, I guess, of coaches. Uh, who can do that. Uh, Right now, we've got a couple who are committed to it. Matt Hamilton, who many in Minnesota know is a very top-ranked recreational player, a great mind, a friend of the podcast. And Ryan LaPlante is also available for this as well. So if you're interested in pricing on those things, uh, just reach out to us on that deal. We also uh, have started accepting submissions of videos. So if you have a video of yourself playing and you want it analyzed, or even if you have a video that you know, somebody else put together that you want analyzed, uh, you can submit that to us and we'll actually do analysis on that. And we've got a, a few different groups of people that are willing to do that. You can either have like the Rec Poker panel uh, do the analysis on that. As we watch it, we give commentary. And we just recently did that for Jeff Klamala. Uh, And Jeff was like, man, this is amazing. It's just a glowing review. And so Jeff, thanks for trusting us with that. And we're glad that you're excited with it. Uh, We were really excited to kind of do that breakdown. Uh, But we also have Matt Hamilton, Max Havlish, a couple Minnesota guys, Ryan LaPlante. Uh, We got people that are available to do that for you. Uh, If that sounds interesting, just let us know. Uh, We'll fill you in on all the details with that deal. And then we have so many announcements. I'm sorry, but there's just so many cool things coming out. It's so exciting.
4: You don't have to apologize. It's so exciting.
0: I I have to apologize. I'm taking so long, but it's really good. So the next thing that we have to announce uh, that we'll give more details later is we're forming these communities of bar leagues and home games. And so what that looks like, uh, we'll give you all the details later. We'll give a full, like I'll probably do a special episode just on the new things that are coming out. Uh, but if you are playing in a home game and you kind of want to be connected to rec poker at a little deeper level, uh, we're, we're working that out so you can be connected. You can actually get promotion on the rec poker podcast. Uh, people that are in your league, uh, can be invited to like a one-time home game where we'll do like a player of the year thing. Uh, the people that win your league will announce it on the rec poker podcast. Same thing with people that are in bar league. So we're we're not replacing bar league networks. We're not replacing home games, any of that kind of stuff. We're just supplementing it. So if you run one of those things, a bar league or a home game, and you're like, man, this would be really cool to like, tell people if you win this, you'll be announced on the podcast, let us know. Uh, we'll give you all the details on that deal. Uh, but watch for more details uh, to come out there. So I'm going to take a breath now and let uh this is where i love doing the panel man because i don't have to talk the whole time yeah. even though i obviously still talk way way too much but jim why don't you uh how can people connect with us if they're not already connected
4: well the number one step is to go to rec.poker that's all you have to type in just go and type rec.poker into uh google and it'll send you right to us and once you're there you can sign up to the uh, weekly newsletter twerp this weekend, Rec Poker, be a twerp like me. Uh, you can also join our Discord community, which is fantastic. There's all sorts of great uh, uh, hand discussion strategy on there right now. Um, there's a lot of uh, life in poker stuff. We're celebrating binks together. We're planning WSOP uh, trips. So, Discord's been a great place for the uh, Rec Poker community to come together. Um, of course, at Rec Poker on Twitter, we put a lot of stuff out there. Um, and you can see us on Facebook. We're on SoundCloud and YouTube. Um, but the most important thing you can do is just go to rec.poker, poke around. We've got a ton of free resources there where you can just link to uh, our, some of our partnered sites that have free stuff there as well. Lots of ways to improve as a player and to get to know other folks that are trying to do the same thing. So uh, good luck with that. And, of course, please go to at Maria Ho on Twitter and say, hey, we heard you on the uh, uh Rec Poker podcast and um, let her know that you heard you heard her here and maybe she'll uh, come back sometime soon and give us another great interview.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, a lot of these folks that have been on are like, man, that's really cool that your community, you know, let us know that they heard us. Uh, and I think they they take notice of that. Uh, so if we want to keep getting these great guests, uh, they they all know each other, they'll talk to each other. They say, you know, Maria asked Daniel, "Hey, what was your experience like on Rec Poker?" He's like, "It was awesome. They were fun." You know, I think that's what we want to hear. So keep, yeah, keep supporting us that way by just letting folks know that you liked hearing from them.
4: And same thing for the learn pro poker, uh, learn pro poker affiliate you know what, there. At, the, <laughs> thanks. <Steve. laughs> we don't edit either on this show. Nope, so no everyone's going to hear baby. that, but that is a really great, it, it's completely free. Uh And it, it, when when you click our link to go through there, it doesn't cost anybody a penny, but it lets them know that you heard about them through us. And then that's going to keep them sending us good offers and coming on the show. And uh, uh, we benefit from that in a lot of ways. So uh, do reach out, engage. Let us know that you're having a good time. and Let other people know that you're having a good time here.
0: Yeah. Assuming you are, which I know you are. If you're still listening to these announcements, you're having a great time. you could use Oh, the they're community, having, oh right? yeah, they're loving it. <laughs> well, let's, uh, so so next week, Jen Shahadi is going to be in the house. Uh, we've had her on the show before. By, uh, before. She'll be back by popular demand, uh, kind of a, a chess wizard slash uh, poker wizard. I'm really excited to have her back on. And, you know, we covered a lot of stuff, but if you really do want to support what we're doing, uh, become a member. I mean, that's fantastic. Ten bucks a month. 100 bucks a year Uh, you get all this content i mean it's when we talk about these seminars you don't realize the work that chris is putting into this and the team is putting into this we're producing like a three to four hour seminar every month which is fantastic uh and so that's a great benefit if you don't want to do the membership thing give us a buck a month on on patreon that gives us uh, your support lets us know that you're behind us Uh, but otherwise just enjoy as much as you as you want for free all the stuff that we have out there We love when people rep the brand. We love the the sweatshirts. We love the hats. We got patches on the way. All kinds of cool things happening there. Uh, If you want something, we can certainly uh, hook you up. Like, rate, review on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Uh, Like all of our 888 articles that we post on Twitter. All of this kind of stuff, all of your engagement and interaction uh, is super uh, helpful in terms of supporting what we're doing and as we try to expand and give you more and more opportunities. So with that, um, uh, well, let me, let me do this before I give the official wrap up, uh, uh, Stacy, Steve, Rob, Jim, anything else that you guys want to throw in there that popped in your brain as we've been chatting?
2: Just so, you know, just real quick, I, you know, it kind of a follow up with the question that I read from Josh I was looking at the lineup that's been posted thus far for the w s o p this summer, and I don't know how closely you've looked at it, Steve but there's the a lot of the three to five thousand dollar events are kind of disappearing and they're getting replaced with smaller buy in either freeze outs or one one reentry tournaments and then there's also a lot of high roller stuff getting at it so I think that's kind of interesting that you know, I think it's right, it's, it's the high stuff is for the pros, the, and the, but they are kind of, I think, like Maria said, kind of going back the other way and making the WSOP a lot more accessible for, for you know, recreational players. So you don't have to plump down 5K or 2, 2,500 to, to play a tournament anymore, and you don't have to worry about guys being able to buy in for eight hours.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. I've heard the same thing. I haven't looked at it all in detail, but I mean, clearly they're seeing the the $500 to $1,000 buy-ins and they're getting
2: these monster
0: fields, you know, so I'm sure that's a, it's an attractive thing for them.
2: Yeah. So I, I just said that was a good thing.
0: Yeah.
4: No good. Jim? I think it's a good thing that we've got Steve back because man, that Steve's job is harder than it looks to everybody. I know he makes it look easy <laughs> up there, but I was sitting in last week and uh, I'm just glad Steve's back to uh, take over the mantle here. Don't go anywhere, Steve. We need you.
0: <laughs> well, it took me a 168 episodes to miss my first one. So hopefully it's another run like that, but I missed out on, on chatting with Ed Miller. So that kind of sucked, but thanks for uh, thanks for sitting in uh, for me. I appreciate that.
4: Well, I look forward to it in another three years or so. <laughs>
0: right, let's hope so. All right, guys. Well, let's sign off there. Uh, official sponsor, Running Aces, all things Rec Poker. Uh, they got the racetrack, they got the casino, and now they got the hotel. Let's go. Let's get people in town, stay in there, and playing. Uh, thanks for those guys. They've been supporting us from day one. Uh, they believed in the vision of Rec Poker, so thanks to uh, Running Aces. Also, Learn Pro Poker or However, Jim said that before, I don't know, learn pro, learn pro. <laughs> uh. And also Mark Berchon's, uh website, AMP. Uh, they are also sponsoring the show. So that's it, guys. Uh, we will catch you next week. Thanks so much. All
2: right. Thank you, Steve.